Today we are continuing in our series, Better Relationships. The subject is friendship. Angela was down and so wanting to quit her job. I've used a pseudonym, but the story is true. Every day it was getting harder and harder for her to hang in there without quitting. And now she was there, right at the edge, ready to pull the trigger and quit. What was it that made her work so difficult? She had been hunting to get work. She needed the money. So why bail now? What made it unbearable? This. She had no friends. Angela had co-workers, but no friends. Others were friends to each other, but not her. And she could hardly take it. Relationships so affect us. We desire great relationships because we were made for that. At the core of our humanity is that we are created in the image of God who exists in a perfect relationship as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we can't help but be relational beings. And although there are all kinds of human relationships in general terms, business relationships, social relationships, family relationships, within these, there is a quality of relationship that rises to supersede them all and touches us in ways that no other relationship can. Friendship. An old Scottish evangelist, Henry Drummond, once said, Friendship is the nearest thing we know to what religion is. God is love, and to make religion akin to friendship is simply to give it the highest expression conceivable by man. In other words, friendship is a window into faith. Today we want to look at the story in Scripture found in the book of Ruth. Join me there as it illustrates to us what friendship looks like in its finest. And from there, we'll see how it gives us a glimpse into our relationship with God. Religion, as Drummond put it. And then finally, we'll let this challenge us as to what kind of friend we can be and to whom. The best friendships are often forged in the hardest times. The book of Ruth is written in a most dark and difficult time in Israel's history. Somewhere between 1160 and 1100 BC, uh, during the latter part of the reign of judges over Israel, the people of Israel find themselves in the midst of a famine. When we see news and you know we're to we are told of a famine, it's easy for us to be so distant from it until there is a face put on it. And that's what the writer does in the book of Ruth. A family. The dad's name is Elimelech. His wife is Naomi. They have two sons, Malon and Kilion. It's so bad in Israel that they journey into the land of Moab. Now this is a people with a long history of hostility towards God's people. Obviously, they are desperate. In Moab, Naomi's husband dies. Her two sons marry Moabite women, which they were not to do. God had forbidden this not out of racial superiority, but because foreign wives were so often a gateway to idolatry. As life would have it, Naomi's two sons die. There's no mention of grandchildren, just the two daughters-in-law that Naomi is left with, Orpah and Ruth. Life has dealt a hard hand to Naomi. Now, word reaches Naomi that God's favor has returned to Israel, and there is again crops and food. Naomi makes the decision to return to her homeland. She is a bitter widow left with but two daughters-in-law, Moabites at that. We read in chapter 1, verse 7. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. Ruth and her daughters-in-law have gone through deep waters together. They have grieved. They've survived. 
Parting will be the ripping of yet another relationship for each of them who have already endured so much. Now, Naomi urges them to return to their people. There's little prospect for the two of them to, when it comes to marriage and family. Verse 14, Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Naomi tries one last time with Ruth. Why doesn't she just do as her sister-in-law has done? Go back! There's no shame in that. Go! But Ruth is resolved, and what follows is a response from Ruth that has struck the chord of our hearts in its beauty. It is often repeated at weddings, so it is not about marriage at all, except that which typifies a marriage at its best, friendship. Verse 16, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. These amazing words from Ruth give us a glimpse into what friendship at its best can look like. There's some beautiful traits here, and I'm going to highlight four. First, Ruth is loyal. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. When I think of loyalty, I think of the kind of person who makes a commitment and sticks to it. Sticking to your word, no matter what, is what the fabric of loyalty is made of. One of the ways we describe loyalty is to say, I am with you. That is to say, whatever decision you make, even if and when you mess up, I will be there for you. I'm not going to abandon you. And as this story plays out, Ruth does exactly what she says. By all appearances, there's nothing in it for Ruth to go to Israel. She will be a foreigner who's not married, right? It will be unfamiliar. She has no idea how it is going to play out, but her decision is not based on orchestrating the best scenario for herself. Her decision is based on being true to another. That's loyalty. Our pastor Lyndon here at Central Heights tells me, give me a word picture to help make what you are saying stick. Well, Lyndon, this is for you. If you are an animal, be a dog and not a cat. Some of you might be offended by this. A cat is a man's best friend, said no one ever. Seems to me in the home, a cat is like, welcome to my home. Um, how do you want to serve me? And I'm sure your cat is the exception if you've got one. But a dog is like, I'm here for you no matter what. How was your day? What can I do for you? And that is why the often repeated statement is, a dog is a man's best friend. Be loyal like that. Friendship at its finest is loyal and it transcends boundaries. Your people shall be my people. It's easy to hear these words and hardly think twice about them. I have traveled a fair bit <clears throat> in my lifetime. You know, it's one thing to go to an unfamiliar country, visit for a week or two, eat strange food, drink funny liquids, sleep on weird beds, knowing that you'll be back home soon. It's another to uproot and move permanently. Your people shall be my people, is to say, I will adapt my life to your life for your sake. And Ruth knows there is going to be no looking back. Thinking on this idea of transcending boundaries, it strikes me that socially we have been trending in the opposite direction for years, and that has accelerated in the more recent. We cluster and cocoon in neighborhoods with like-minded people. Ask a realtor if this isn't so. Our friendships are parceled out to those who believe like we believe. 
All too quickly, we cut off those who disagree with us, leaving us with a smaller and more homogenous friendship circle, and we are poor for it. Whether different political views, different economic status, different race, there is a richness in diversity. Ruth is demonstrating a friendship quality that makes the move for the sake of others. Like when a Christian makes room to be a friend to a non-Christian, without compromising beliefs and without making that person a project, making the move to step into their world, not to get something, but just because they love. For people who weren't raised in a Christian home, most come to faith in Jesus Christ through a friend. But here's the thing. Most Christians, after having been a Christian for two years or longer, have no meaningful relationships with those who don't know Jesus. We have to ask ourselves, do we get too comfortable in our Christian bubble? Have we forgotten to make the move, transcend the boundaries, enter their world because we love? Friendship at its finest is loyal. It, it transcends boundaries. It shares in the spiritual. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Naomi and her family had gone to Moab. Her sons had married women of a different belief. But in it all, and even in her bitterness, Naomi's faith is still recognizable. Ruth has seen enough of Naomi's faith to be able to say that not only will she move to Israel with Naomi, but that move will include a move of belief. Now, you can have a good friendship without a shared faith. I have a friend who is Sikh, properly pronounced Sikh. Our beliefs are different, but our friendship has been long, like decades as a matter of fact. And sometimes we engage in spiritual conversations and I, I so want him to move to where I am and experience what I have in Christ. And he knows that, but the fact that he hasn't done this does not sever our relationship. Yet I know there's something more for a friendship that unites to share in the spiritual dimension. For a Christian, partaking together in our relationship in Christ touches a, a part of us that is deep, and most important, when you pray with someone and, and you come before God honest and vulnerable, when you worship with others and pour your hearts out together before God, when you share with one another what God is teaching you or challenging you, these things bind us together in a way that nothing else can because they are sacred shared experiences with God that happen at the highest level, the spiritual that is why Christian couples who pray together stay together. That is why families that read scripture together are so much better for it. That is why Christian friends who speak God's truth to one another in love grow and develop in Christ. It's tragic when we as Christians, we don't make the opportunities to drink together from this well. Friendship at its best shares in the spiritual and for us, that is to share in Christ. Friendship at its finest is loyal, transcends boundaries, shares in the spiritual it also sacrifices. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death, parts from you. Perhaps this is just another way to express loyalty. Ruth is saying, until death, I will keep my commitment. That is sacrificial language. No matter how strong we are, each of us in our lifetimes have already and will likely again experience those moments when we have, we have the need for the help of another in order to survive. When we were babies, it was our mothers who sacrificed comfort and sleep and sometimes careers in order for us to make it alive. Today I'm watching as my daughters now raise their little children who are good kids and yet it takes an enormous amount of energy and sacrifice to parent them. Mothers, I salute you. 
This week I was having a conversation with a young mom whose oldest child was seven years of age and the mom was beaming as she told me how they have become such good friends. It is all worth it. I also know, know now that you don't necessarily stop being a parent when your children go up, leave the home, marry and have children of their own. You still give rides, you lend your car, you provide meals and babysit their kids. Until death, there is still plenty of opportunity to sacrifice in those times when they need your help, but now they also sacrifice when you need theirs. This is welcomed as your relationship blossoms from family obligation to deep friendship. Sacrifice is just what we do when we put the needs of others ahead of our own for their sake. And I have experienced that. On the receiving end, in the most difficult times, those who are really are your friends are clearly revealed. It is both humbling and beautiful. Where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. Friendship at its finest, loyal, transcends boundaries, shares in the spiritual sacrifices. Now here is how that kind of friendship gives us a window into our relationship with God. Ruth sets a great example, but the real hero of the story is God. If you know the whole story of Ruth, Ruth and Naomi journey to Israel. There is an immigrant, uh, there as an immigrant, and, and one of the poor, Ruth gleans the leftover grain in a field which happens to belong to a relative of Naomi's. This man, Boaz, is gracious to Ruth, having heard of her loyalty to Naomi. A cute little romance follows, Naomi knowing that Boaz's kindness is more than just being nice. And she encourages Ruth to push things along, and in short, Boaz chooses to marry Ruth. So older and single Boaz gets a wife of impeccable character. Naomi gets a family and Ruth, a Moabite, in the bigger story of God, becomes a mother to a son who continues the family line leading to the great King David and ultimately to Jesus. This is more than a story about Ruth here. It is another picture of God's amazing grace and foreshadowing how his intention is for the whole world and all nations. How despite being rejected by his people, God is the ultimate loyal one. He remembers his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he cannot but reach out to his people once again. Sometimes we may think our sins are so bad that God could never want us, or at best, he would treat us as second best. Israel was under judgment, and rightly so, but God comes again to them to redeem them. God the Father didn't choose Israel because they were attractive. And when he sent Jesus for us, it wasn't that we were so lovable either. The scripture says we were his enemies. Yet he comes. And to his disciples, if you are a follower, Jesus, our holy God, creator of the world, calls you and I his friends. Come on. And to us who put their, their trust in him, Jesus is the loyal covenant keeper. Jesus is the one who breaks the boundary of heaven and earth and the barrier between man and God. Jesus brings us into the spiritual communion in the presence of God. Jesus makes it possible through sacrifice, death that leads to life. What a friend we have in Jesus. Whoever puts their trust in him will never be disappointed. If you were to freeze frame all three characters at the beginning of this story in Ruth, Naomi, Ruth, Boaz, 
Each one of them has a reason to despair. But we must remember with God, the story is never over. The greatest stories are the ones of great comeback, aren't they? And how is that possible? God, he blesses Naomi, he blesses Boaz, he blesses Ruth. And as you read the whole story of the Bible, in this life, circumstances may not be all what we hope for, but as we consider our story in light of all eternity, this truth is for certain. No one who ever puts their trust in God will ever be disappointed. So what does that mean for us and our friendships going forward? If we would have deeper and better friendships, the best way to go about it is to be the kind of friend you hope to have. I started this talk with a brief story about a woman struggling with her job because of her lack of friends. Well, let me tell you more about what happened. Before quitting, Angela had a conversation with someone about her situation. That person gave her some simple suggestions to try. Show some interest in your coworkers and ask them a few questions about their lives. It's amazing what followed. Within a short time span, Angela received some Facebook requests from a couple of coworkers. She was included in a WhatsApp group among her coworkers. People wanted to be her friend. And there's more. I guess her attitude changed in this towards her work so much, her boss singled her out, singled her out with praise in front of the whole staff. All because she had chosen to be a friend instead of first looking for someone to be that for her. God has shown us the kind of friend we are to be by being that himself. Our ability to be a good friend to others starts by receiving from what Jesus has done for us in his loyal, sacrificial love. We started in this series with the subject of self-care. A big part of that was to partake of Jesus by being in his presence. Friends love to spend time together. And by being with Jesus, we receive the capacity to be what God has been to us, loyal, transcending boundaries, sharing in the spiritual, sacrificial. Today in response, I want you to ask God for two things. One, ask God to help you see the opportunities in front of you and to have the desire and ability to live out Christ-like friendship. That people would say, my encounter with you left me better. You know, as you just live life, I suspect there will be many opportunities to put into practice what we have talked about. An opportunity to sacrifice, an opportunity to keep a commitment, have a spiritual conversation, to be the kind of friend that points people to Jesus. Two, ask God who he wants you to be a friend to. My guess is that he'll want you to befriend someone who does not share your faith. Transcend the boundaries for the cause of Christ, as Jesus did for you. One final thought. We all want to make a lasting difference with our lives. People don't name their children Orpah. Remember? The daughter-in-law that returned home. But they do name their children after Ruth, in whom we see a friendship that points us to Christ, the one who enables you to be that way too.